You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Welcome to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly, founder of Agape Moms, and I'm really glad that you could join me for this conversation today. Here on the podcast, we emphasize discovering you on the journey through. And what that means to me is I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, of power, and of purpose. And I believe that she can do it right through the things that God is carrying her through in her season as a single mom. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about diving into God's Word and various strategies that you can implement to get connected to the heart of God through reading the Bible. We're going to be looking at this subject from all angles today. So whether or not you are someone who is very comfortable with Bible reading or it's something you never really thought about before, there's going to be something for you in this. To give you a little sense about my own journey with reading God's Word, I grew up a Christian but never really grew up reading the Bible. And at about age 25, I started to realize I didn't really know who God was and felt stirred at that time to read the Bible through a one-year-in-the-Bible plan so that I would really know who God says He is. And that was really foundational, not only for my faith, but also for the journey that God would take me down as it resulted in my divorce. And in that season where I was just in so much chaos and just felt the waves of the storm battering against me, I knew where I could be anchored again. And so again, as I was walking through that divorce process, I journeyed through reading the Bible again in a year. And it was incredible to me how new and different the word was at that point going through that journey and just all of the things that I'd never seen before that God had for me in that season. And so what that developed in me was a greater confidence in reading the Bible, but also a greater hunger for it in that I knew that as I began to sit with God, each time I would open the Bible that He'd have something new for me. And I'll be honest, over the course of my single mom season, my Bible reading routine has not been consistent. It's changed depending on my circumstances and what's going on around me. So for example, there were times where emotionally I was so distressed that I wanted to be in the Word for hours at a time. And then there were other times where I was so distressed that I couldn't even pick up my Bible. And all I really could do was just make sure I was checking in with a verse of the week on my Bible app. But in that, God has shown me the tether to His heart and that whatever efforts that I do make, that He's in those things and that He has something to show me. And then it reignites my passion for meeting with Him in reading His Word. My guest today is Brittany Ann, and Brittany wrote a book called Fall in Love with God's Word. And I love that that is her approach to reading the Bible. It's falling in love with God's Word. It's not approaching it as this thing that I have to do, but rather looking at it as a way that we commune with God and we are tethered to His heart. And I've seen in my own walk where being in the Word helps me to identify where God is then in my real life, that I recognize His voice and I see His hand in places that I wouldn't otherwise see it if I wasn't continually bathed in His promises. Brittany has some really great strategies 
to help with developing a Bible reading routine that matches both the season of your faith and the season of your life to give you a greater connection to God in reading the Bible. I realized that even from my youngest years, I didn't have a great sense of who God was. And what that resulted in was not having a great sense of who He made me to be or where I felt like I fit. And so that led to these long-term feelings of loneliness where I just didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. But over time, I started to understand these mindsets that I'd created that were keeping me stuck in these feelings of loneliness. And I've created a quiz to help you identify if you're falling into those traps as well. If you go to agapemoms.com forward slash quiz, you can take a quiz there called What's Your Loneliness Type? It takes just a couple of minutes. And in taking that quiz, you'll have the ability to identify some mindsets and some behaviors that might be keeping you stuck under feelings of long-term loneliness. And then you'll also get a sense of some of the things that you can do to get out of that. Again, that quiz is at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. I'd like to start us off by giving you a little background on Brittany Ann. Brittany Ann is an author, speaker, and owner of the popular website equippinggodlywomen.com, where she challenges, encourages, and equips Christian women to be all in in faith and family. Her work has been featured on CBN, The Christian Post, Crosswalk, and more. Brittany is married to her husband, and together they have three adorably energetic little ones. God's Word has been really transformative in my life, and so you will probably hear me geek out a little bit in this episode when it comes to some of the tools and the resources that I use in my Bible reading routine, but I don't want you to be discouraged if you're not quite in that place yet. There is something for everybody in this conversation. Here is my conversation with Brittany Ann. Brittany, I'm so happy that you could join me for this conversation today. Reading the Bible is something that a lot of us feel like we should do. We should do more, (laughs) but we struggle with knowing how to do it or creating a plan around making it a priority. And so I wanted to know if you would start us off by talking a little bit about our mindset and how we can shift out of this place of I should or I have to and get into a place where we might actually be inspired to dig into God's word. Yeah. First of all, thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited to talk about this topic because a few years ago, I came across a statistic online that said that 59% of Americans wish they could read their Bible more often. And this just stuck out to me because I was and someday still am, you know, I want to read my Bible more too, but this stuck out to me. Okay. So many people want to read God's word and yet only 31% of Americans read the Bible on at least a weekly basis or more. And when I read the statistic, it stuck out to me because I was in that season two of, okay, I want to read God's word, but I have little kids. Like, how do I make this happen? I'm trying to mm-hmm. work. I'm trying to run a business. I'm trying to do like, keep the house semi-clean, trying right. to keep my kids from bickering and killing each other. Um, just all the things that we moms deal with on a daily basis. And yes, I want to read God's word, but how do we make this happen? Practically speaking. And that's something that I have 100% struggled with. Um, I run the website equippinggodlywomen.com and my readers there tell me, yes, we struggle with this. We want to read God's word. We know we should read God's word. We know it's important. We should do this, but we don't. 
So for me, it all started with doing a survey of my audience to say, okay, let's just get really honest. Why is it that we say we want to read God's word, but we're not doing it? Like just lay it out there. And I did this survey and they told me seven reasons, which I include in the book, but seven reasons why we don't read our Bibles as often as we would like to. The first one is because we are busy. So, I mean, as moms, we have so many things to do. We don't have time to just sit and read the Bible for hours at a time. We are tired after we've done all of Mm -hmm. the things at the end of the day. Like I'm tired. I don't want to read my Bible at nine o'clock at night after I've spent the entire day running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Um, We lack the motivation. Even if we do have the time and the energy, we don't always want to spend it sitting and reading our Bible. We want to just numb out, scroll on the phone, turn on the TV, take a bath, take a shower, do anything, eat all the chocolate, um, whatever it is, other than get into God's word. Mm -hmm. And so as I really thought through these reasons of, okay, we say we want to read God's word, but we don't do it. I realized it all kind of boiled down to one thing. And that is that we haven't fallen in love with God's word. I think back to when I met my husband a very long time ago and when I saw him and started to be in a relationship with him. And if you have women who are divorced, who were there once upon a time, Mm -hmm. um, when I met my husband, I wanted to be with him. I didn't have to schedule a time like, hey, every Thursday at 8 p.m. to 8.30, like that's our time. We're going to schedule this and we're going to set this aside. Or, okay, I will call you every morning at 9 a.m. from like 9 to 9.15, like that's our time. We didn't have to do that. When you love somebody, whether that's your husband or your kids or your mom, somebody that you're in a relationship with, when you love them, you want to spend time with them. I don't say that to add any guilt at all. Trust me on that. But (laughs) But it's a part of the natural flow of your life and your relationships. Yeah. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. what naturally happens. When you see the benefits of having a good relationship, you just, it's good. You want that. And I feel like that is what so many women, myself included, are missing. That if you view the Bible as a should, if you view the Bible as, okay, I have to do that because that's what good Christian girls do. Like Mm -hmm. I need to make sure that I'm reading my chapter a day and I have my cup of coffee and it's quiet and the kids aren't around and I have like my little Instagrammable moment that's so perfect. And I'm going to like read and get all the things and get my candy. (laughs) Yes, the candle and the highlighters (laughs) and all of the things like I have to have this thing. And if it doesn't look like that, it doesn't count. Mm -hmm. But my purpose in this book is, okay, what if we take a step back and we say, you know, let's, there's, it's not wrong to read the Bible out of a sense of duty or obligation. I mean, there's days I don't feel motivated and I read it because I know it's good for me. Same Mm -hmm. thing with like eating vegetables and exercising. You're not going to feel like it every day, Mm -hmm. but you know, you do it and you see the benefits. Yeah. But my hope for the women who read this book is that they would be able to go beyond that. That it's okay to start there, but mm-hmm. there's so much more to the Bible than that. There's so much more than just, okay, I read a chapter. Like, okay, great, yeah. that's good. But what if we fell in love with God's word? What if we dove into God's word and we understood it for what it really is? What if we had this time? And to me, this just sounds amazing. What if you had half an hour, you could set aside and it is just time for you and God. And you don't have to do anything else. You don't have to be anything else to anybody. Nobody needs anything. This is your time, not as an obligation, something you have to do, but this is your escape time. You get to go away by yourself and spend time with the God of the universe who Mm. loves you, who adores you, who wants to be with you, who has so much wisdom and direction for you. But as we get into God's word regularly, 
And we have that time with God. And as we start to see the benefits and we learn how to read it, you really can fall in love with God's word and say, yes, I want to have this time. I look forward to this time. Like, yes, God, tell me all the things I am here for it. Like, please. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where I want to help women get to. I love the point you make in your book too, about the transforming power of it, that sometimes we limit what we think it could do for us to be in the word and to not only understand God better, but let it change us. And that sometimes we just feel like maybe it's more academic exercise. And that's where the should comes from is like, well, I I just sit to, to read the words and it's a story. I've heard that story again and again and again, you know, um, But what I've seen in my own journey is year after year after year of making it a priority, how your understanding, how, and I'll I'll even say your lack of understanding, it makes you realize how big God is the more that you realize as you dig deeper, how greater the mysteries are. But that if you expect to be changed, expect to be transformed as you go through it, like, wow, that's where the falling in love, I feel like happened for me. Yeah, I have seen, this is just something, you know, I have felt and I've seen so many other people feel is, okay, we know we're supposed to read the Bible and we know like head knowledge, like, oh yes, we should read this thing, but is it really going to help? And we think, you know, that's just like a stock answer, a pat answer, like, oh, go read the Bible and pray about it. Mm -hmm. And yes, it does get overused in a way that's not helpful, but I don't want people to discredit reading the Bible as, oh yeah, that's just something people say. No, it really is powerful. Another thing that I've seen in people's life also is people, myself often included, um, will feel like, yes, reading the Bible can be transformative, but for other people, Mm -hmm. not for me. Like, yes, I believe theoretically that reading the Bible can change your life, but it's probably not going to work for me. Yeah, But the more that I read through the Bible and I read about, you know, look at how God came through for Abraham. Look at how God came through for King David. Look at how God came through for Paul. Look at all of these times. I love reading through the Bible. And it says, I was reading this morning in Exodus and it was saying, you know, God promised the Israelites, I have heard your cry. I Mm -hmm. promise you, I will take you out of Egypt and I will take you to the promised land. He didn't take them later that day. Didn't take them the next week. He didn't take them the next year. It was 40 years later, but God told them, I hear you. I care. I am here. And I promise you, I am going to do something about this on his timing when, when it's, you know, he knows the best because he knows the past, future, all the things he's got a plan. So he promises them. Well, the same God who promised them years ago. The same God who came through, who parted the Red Sea, who brought Jesus back from the dead, who did all of, like, Jesus was born of a virgin. Like, there are so many miracles in the Bible. The same God who did that then still does that now. His power does not have an expiration date. It's not like he cared about them. And then all of a sudden he was like, who are you? Like, I only cared about the Israelites back then. I don't care about you. No, he Mm. sent his son to die for you. And if God loves you enough that he's going to send his son to die for you, he's not going to just be like, okay, now you're on your own. Like I did my part and, you know, go have fun. No, he is still here and he is still involved because that is his character. And when we read the Bible and we see this is the kind of God we serve, this is who he is. He's still the same person today. So we can read these stories of how God came through and know this is the God we serve. Yeah. This is 
who he is. And he is still every bit as amazing and wonderful and miraculous today, even if we're still on this side of the, you know, 40 years to the promised land. We may not have made it there yet, but God is still there. He still cares and he still has a plan. I'm so fired up by what you're saying right now, because it's totally been my experience, especially in the last couple of years. And I think that's where it's always so fantastic to me to see verses where it talks about that the word is alive and active. It meets us in our season right where we're at. So though you may have read the story of Exodus before, like leaving an abusive relationship, leaving an oppression like that, and realizing that that's a similar experience to what happened in Exodus, what God did for the Israelites is something that you will relate to in a different way now because you're leaving a different type of oppression, similar but different, you know, or the stories that you might have glossed over. You might have missed the story about Hagar. You might have missed the story about Abigail. I mean, that's Abigail is one nobody really talks about. You may have missed the stories though of of Ruth, you know, all these women in the Bible who were looked over or discarded that you never noticed them. But if you've walked through that season of your life, you notice those women now and you notice how God tended to them and, and ministered to their hearts through their stories. And so it's, I I just love that because it's like, don't think, even if you've read it from cover to cover once, like, don't think you've seen it all because God has something new for you in, in whatever season of life you're in as you pick it up again. And, and those stories just become new and alive in a completely different way. In your book, though, you do talk about five steps, though, to create a perfect quiet time plan. So as we're talking about being busy moms and like all of the things and like just the things that keep us away from getting into the Bible, I like how your book is so extremely practical in giving us ways to get in and to just say, all right, but look at where your circumstance is and let's work with it to make that perfect quiet time plan. So I wanted to have you highlight some of those specifics that can help us to start to really make this a priority for ourselves. Absolutely. So this is one of the easiest, like first steps you can do. If you are somebody who is saying, okay, no, I should read the Bible. I want to read the Bible more, but how do I possibly with my life right now, it's insane. Like, how do I even get started? This is a great way to get started. So basically what I have you do is walk through what I call a quiet time plan. It's in the book. You can also get it on my website for free at equipping God. Well, if you go to fall in love with God's word.com, it's on there too. So I have this printable. You can print out for free if this is helpful for you. But basically what I have you do is walk through this exercise where you say, okay, in my season right now, in the season of life that I am in, I am not worried about what my sister is doing. I'm not worried about what the pastor's wife is doing. I don't care what the neighbor is doing. Like for me in my life with what I have going on, I'm going to make a plan to say, okay, this is what I think is going to be most helpful for me. Um, and then we can tweak from there. But I have found that what happened for me is I would always fall into this trap of saying, okay, I'm going to read the Bible. I will get around to it. And I would constantly say, oh yeah, I'll do it later. I don't feel like it right now. I'll do it later. I'll get around to it, you know, a little bit later and later would never come. So what was so helpful for me was just to say, no, like this is the plan. I am saying like this time of day, I am setting this aside. This is my time. We're going to make this happen. So for me, when I first did this exercise, I have small children who were just starting to go to school full-time. I think only two or three were in school at that time, but they were like starting to go to school. So I found for me, the best time for me to read the Bible was 8 a.m. Because 
if I were to try to wake up at four or five in the morning, I can promise you that is not happening. We have tried mm-hmm. that. It doesn't work. If it yeah. works for you, like by all means, like that's right. great, that's wonderful. That does not work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if I tried to read it at nine o'clock at night, I'm going to be falling asleep. I'm not going to feel like it. I know I am a morning person, um, but I'm not that much of a morning person. Night's not going to work. Middle of the day, my brain is just buzzing. I can't focus. So for Mm -hmm. me, I said, okay, 8 a.m. is the time. This is the time that my kids are in school. So they have left the house and the house is quiet, but I haven't started to work for the day. So I just this little pocket that I said, you know, I think this is going to work really well. So that's what I chose. So the first thing I would encourage you to do is figure out your when. When is a time that you can set aside to say, okay, this is my time. Now that doesn't mean you have to keep it every day for the rest of your life. Ever, but we're going to say, okay, I think this is the time that I think is going to work best. So we're going to try it. We're going to try to stick to this time. Um, and then the other questions you mentioned, there's five things. So the second one is where, where are you going to read your Bible every day? If you read it in bed, is that going to be great? Cause the kids are going to be on the other side of the house, or are you going to be falling asleep? Like if mm-hmm. you read it at the kitchen table, is everyone going to be disrupting you? Like where is a good place where you're less likely to be distracted? If you yeah. have to lock yourself in the bathroom, totally fine. If you have to sit in your car, Awesome. Perfect. Let's do that. But where can you get a somewhat uninterrupted time? doesn't have to be all the way uninterrupted, but like where would be a good spot? Mm -hmm. Um, The next thing to choose, number three is how often. So nowhere in the Bible does it say you must read your Bible every day. It's not in there. I looked, I double checked. It's not. So what is a good schedule for you in this season? When I started doing this, because my kids are elementary school aged, I said, okay, I'm going to read on weekdays. Saturdays get kind of crazy with all the kids running around, but on weekdays, they're in school. So that, like I have a little bit of extra quiet time. So for me, I said, okay, five days a week is great. Sundays, I go to church. We're just going to count that. And yeah, Saturday, right. <laughs> we're just, Saturdays are just going to be Saturdays and that's yeah. fine. Um, I did not even try to do seven days a week. Like that's not realistic for me in this season. We're going to say five days a week. And I found I could stick with that. If I was trying to do seven days a week, not going to work. If I tried mm-hmm. to do one day a week, I knew I could do more than that. But I knew five days a week in my season, that's a good amount for me. So don't feel like you have to read it every single day. Don't feel like, oh, I'm just going to get around to it eventually. Like, okay, what is going to work for you? What is reasonable? Um, The fourth thing is how long. You do not have to sit and study for hours a day, but what can you do? Can you read for 10 minutes? Can you read for 30 minutes? Can you read for literally two minutes? And that's your doing your very best. Okay, if that's your very best, then do your best. Or maybe you want to say in terms of chapters, I will read one chapter a day. I will read two chapters. I will read a like a passage, like a section, how they have like headers in the Bible. Yeah. Um, whatever works for you. And then the last thing is just what will you do during your quiet time? And basically by that, I mean, yes, you can just like sit with the Bible in your lap and that's great. But if you want to do something else to make it super fun, like that's cool too. So for example, if you are somebody who tends to be more active, maybe you want to listen to an audio Bible while you're on the treadmill at the gym or while you're running around the neighborhood. Maybe you want to try Bible journaling or like coloring and doodling in the margins of your Bible. And some people love that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you really work best in a group of other people. So you say, okay, What's going to work best for me is to join an online Bible study community where I have that accountability, where we can all read through it together, where if I don't understand something, I can read it with my sisters and they can, like, I can see what they're thinking. And that would really help me to have that community aspect. So reading your Bible does not have to be just you sitting with the Bible in your lap. I love to do that. 
but it can look however works best for you in your season. So I'd really encourage anyone who says, okay, I'm ready to start. Like, I don't know how to be consistent though. Come up with a plan. Say, this is what I think is going to work. We can tweak it from here. If you say, okay, most of that works, but the place is really distracting. I need to move it to a different place. Mm-hmm. Okay, don't quit altogether. Just find a different place. Or, you know, this time of day isn't working out for me. I thought it would, but it's not. Okay, great. You don't need to scrap everything altogether. Let's just find a different time of day. So if yeah. it's not working, you're not a failure. It's not your fault. You just need to tweak the plan and we can do that. Yeah. I, I love too how practical those questions are. It's very easy for me to say, oh, well, I would pick this or, oh, I would do that, you know, and to let that inform our process as we go, because it's looked different for me. There were times where I could get up at 5 a.m. And now the thought of doing that is like, what? <laughs> like I couldn't do that, you know, and there's been times where it was lunch breaks, you know, for me right now, it's great when my toddler's in bed and my older two are decompressing from their day. And sometimes we think like there's guilt associated with that. Like, oh, well, I probably should spend time with them. And it's like, I'm a way better equipped mom if I am spending that time, sometime at least in the evenings, prioritizing my time in God's word. And it's a way of indirectly discipling to my kids to show them, look, your mom makes time for her relationship with God. As you grow older, watching your mother have a practice of this shows you how to do it. And I think that's maybe where a lot of us, I knew for me, where where the discomfort in creating a plan comes from is if you did not grow up in a house where you had parents who regularly read the word, and then you go to a church environment where it's like, you feel like everybody is like in a Bible study and, you know, doing it every day and always first thing in the morning. And you're like, I can't do any of those things, you know, and it's just realizing that as you do customize it to fit your life, it's a blessing for yourself, but just your kids even watching you is the first step in discipling them. As far as understanding the word though, I know that's something that's a hurdle for all of us that whether we're new in reading the Bible or we've had some comfort with it for a time, but we're trying to get you know just deeper into it, that the way we approach reading the Bible can either help us or hinder us, you know, or when we read those difficult passages that we're like, I don't know how to make sense of these things, you know? Um, and I'm really into learning about context, you know? So for me, it's like, okay, I'm trying to read this, but what did the original writer really have in mind when they said this phrase? So as far as approaches to looking at the Bible and figuring out, okay, what am I really supposed to take from this? In your book, you talk about things like genres and um, lenses and things like that. So can you talk a little bit about that approach to actually understanding the variety of types of writing that are in the Bible and then how that understanding can help us to dive a little deeper? Absolutely. So what people need to know, which lots of people know, not everybody knows, so just to level the playing field, Mm -hmm. um, the Bible is not one book that God himself wrote and handed down. And it's just like, here's your novel. Rather, the Bible is a collection of multiple books that were written over hundreds of years by over 40 authors, three different continents. And basically it's a lot of different people who wrote all kinds of different texts. So there are letters, there's like historical documents, there's law, and it there's poetry and songs and wisdom and all kinds of different genres throughout the Bible. It's not one thing. It's like, it's kind of like a library or collection of a lot of different things. So Mm -hmm. because it is a collection or a library of different kinds of writings, you 
don't read all of the books the exact same way. And I feel like that's one place where people can get tripped up and they say, okay, these books make a lot of sense, but these ones, I don't even know what to do. Like Old Testament law is not... Um, I don't know anybody who did that's their favorite. Um, so in the book, I talk about, okay, first let's figure out what the different kinds of writing are. And we talk about the different genres in the book. So there is historical documents and there are, there's prophecy and there's the epistles and we go through all of that. And then I talk about an exercise called reading the Bible through various spiritual lenses. So what I mean by that is if you think of a, any kind of lens, like a telescope lens or a microscope lens or a contact lens, which I'm wearing right now, if you look through a lens, it allows you to see things that you wouldn't normally otherwise see. If I didn't have my contacts on right now, I would not be able to see you or anything. But when I put them on, I can see things that I couldn't see before. So when we look at the Bible through different lenses, it allows us to see things that we may not have noticed before. So for example, the lens of examples to follow. So when we read the Bible and we think specifically of, okay, examples to follow, I'm going to focus on who are the Bible characters who give a a really good example, like they did a good thing and we should do good things too. And when you read the Bible through that lens, you're going to get different insights out of it if you than if you read the Bible through the lens of the knowledge of God's character. So if you read the Bible through that lens, then it's going to help you focus on, okay, what does this passage teach me about God? What does mm-hmm. it teach me about who he is and what he values? So the more that we can and there's countless spiritual lenses that we could look through at the Bible and, you know, focus on any number of things, yeah. um, but I highlight eight of them in the book. So, okay, when we look at it in this way, we notice things that we may not have noticed before. And I feel like that is what's really going to help people when they get to those passages of scripture that are a little bit more difficult to read. So if you're reading the Old Testament law and you're reading it through the lens of, you know, what do I do? Well, the Old Testament law isn't really meant for that. It's not rules that were written that we follow exactly as written today. It tells us more about our spiritual ancestors. It tells us about who God is and what he values and what he prioritizes. We can learn a lot about God. Mm -hmm. We can learn a lot about our spiritual ancestors. We can, there's so much goodness there, but if we're only looking at it as instructions, like what do I do? You're not going to find very much. So that's why I really talk about in the book, okay, what are the different types of texts and how can we look at them through these different lenses so that, oh, I didn't notice how much all of these Old Testament laws while they don't give me very much to do, they teach me a lot about who God is. They teach me a lot about the Israelites and what they were like. And you can still learn a lot. You're just going to learn different things than maybe you were looking for in the first place. I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go. And it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. I like that you had a table in the book as well that described these books go with these genres. So you have a sense of like, okay, I should read this as poetry because that's how it was written. Or I was actually listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about a lot of times we look at Proverbs 
as certain promises, Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily always the case. There's wisdom. It's written as wisdom. That's, you know, the genre that it comes from, but it's not necessarily that always, if you do X, that Y is going to happen, but it's a general wisdom for the way that we live our life. And so when we see those things, it's a, it's easier for us to go, oh, I should look at this book this way because that was the intention under what it was written that it just gives us such a greater depth of understanding. Absolutely. And yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that chart. I do have a printable like cheat sheet version. If people want to go to fallinlovewithgodsword.com, you can print out that page from the book. Oh, and it awesome. is a front and back page where the front has the chart and it says, here are all of the lenses and here are all the genres and here is which one goes with which one. And then on the back, it has definitions of like, here is what every one of these are and what that means and how to use them. And my intention was just, Hey, here's this thing you can print out, fold it in half, stick it in your Bible. Mm -hmm. And then that way, when you are reading God's word, you're not just stuck up. I don't know what this means. I don't know like how this relates. You can pull out this cheat sheet that you have right there and say, oh, okay, this book is in this genre and this is how I should understand it. And then these are the lenses. And so it's a reminder of, okay, I'm looking like, let's look at it through this lens. And what do I Mm -hmm. notice? And let's look at it through this lens. And what do I notice? So it will really help you as you're reading the Bible, rather than just like, I don't know what this means. I don't know what to do with this, but okay, here is what I should look for. And here is how I can dive in deeper as I'm doing just my day-to-day Bible reading. That is awesome. And those things for me are so great because I need a a roadmap. I need someone who has already gone down this road to say, okay, now try this. And I think just because the nature of the way that my relationship with the word has been, it's just, and I feel like a lot of us go through this where it's like, okay, well, I think I get it, but I want to know more, or I need to know more, or I have a question about this. And it's just, it's that being led slowly into like in, into that romance, you know, where you're being carried down into it, but it's like, but I need to know how. <laughs> yeah. And as it comes to knowing how though, so when I first was trying to study more deeply and I'm learning about concordances and, you know, all these other tools that can go alongside, you know, things like commentaries, stuff like that. What other external resources can help us with getting really fully immersed into the word? So there are tons of resources that can help you, but I do not want anybody to like write down a list and be like, okay, she mentioned like 10 things. I need to go buy every single one of these because I did that once I was at a conference and they were like, okay, here are the things that will help you. And I went home and I like bought all of them off of Amazon and I have opened them a couple of times. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, overwhelming. (laughs) Yes. And so many of them you can find online for free. So I'm happy to have them but you don't have to rush right out. So I'm going to tell you about some things and then you can decide like, is this something that would be helpful for me? And if it would be helpful for you, then, you know, go ahead. Um, But if you're like, I don't know that I would really use that, feel free to skip. So everybody needs different things. So if you are somebody who is brand new to reading the Bible and you are completely overwhelmed and intimidated and you're like, I don't know what to start. I don't know what any of this means. Like, I just need something really quick and easy, something that's really going to help show me how does the Bible relate to my life? Like, what do I do with this? The easiest, simplest place to start is with daily devotionals. So a devotional basically is going to have a very short passage of scripture, a couple of verses probably, and then it's going to have... Basically, the Mm -hmm. author will write about the verse and give you a lot of nice, encouraging thoughts. And here is how it relates to your life, or here's some things you should know about that verse. Mm -hmm. So the next thing that can be really helpful is a Bible study. Now, a devotionals and Bible studies are similar, but Bible studies are more going to walk you through a 
passage of scripture, and they're going to help you actually study what that scripture is about and all of the background information on that. Um, Mm -hmm. The next step after that would be a commentary. And a commentary is basically a whole huge book of a often a theologian or a pastor or some kind of really smart Bible person. I know that's super specific, super technical, (laughs) (laughs) but a person who is super, super smart about the Bible and history and all the time period will, they will have commentaries like a commentary on the book of Genesis and it will walk you literally scripture by scripture. Like here is what you need to know about the scripture. Here is like the original Greek word actually meant this. Um, You can, or you need to know this about here's what was going on at the time. And these are a lot more in depth. Now, you can get these for free on I love to use biblehub.com. That's my favorite. <laughs> yes, that's what I will do. So if I have yeah. a passage of scripture and I'm like, I don't really know what this means, I will go look it up on biblehub.com. And then if you scroll down, they have a bunch of commentaries all in one place and it will tell you this verse. So this is really great if you have a verse and you were like, I don't understand what this means. Like, this doesn't make sense to me. This doesn't feel like it would fit in the Bible. What are they talking about? You can go there and they'll explain that specific verse or like group of verses to you. So that is something, if you were to go purchase like a bunch of commentaries, they're fairly expensive to get like a whole exhaustive one of the whole Bible, but you can get them for free, biblehub.com. So commentaries, um, aren't likely something you're going to jump into and read every day. But if you have a question about something specific, I find those are really helpful to say, okay, what's going on here and dive into that specific verse. And then there's other things you can get like Bible dictionaries. Um, Concordances are fantastic. So a concordance is basically a list of where you will find a specific verse or not a specific word in Mm -hmm. the Bible. So for example, if you say, I want to know more about anger, what does the Bible say about anger? You could get in a concordance. And again, you can find these for free online as well. This is another one that I own and I don't use because I can just Google. Um, (laughs) So much easier than flipping the pages, right? (laughs) I know. Um, (laughs) They have them in the back of a lot of study Bibles too. So if you have a study Mm -hmm. Bible and you are in your paper Bible, like they're often at the back, but you say, okay, I want to know what does the Bible say about anger? You can open your paper concordance, or you can just get on Google and type in Bible verses about anger. Um, and yeah. it'll give you a list in your paper concordance of here are all of the Bible verses that contain the exact word anger. So you can go through and you can see, okay, I want to know what the Bible says about this in this verse and this verse and this verse, and it will help you find those verses. If you want to know all of the Bible verses about a thing. Yeah. I love that you mentioned Bible hub also, cause that, that is definitely my go-to website because mm-hmm. you can compare the scripture with other scriptures that are similar. You can look at the commentaries. My favorite thing is actually the interlinear Bible where you can click on the word and find out like the definition in the original, either Hebrew or Greek and get a sense for what was the context of that particular word in its original setting, like where were other places that this word was also used historically? What was the connotation? Why did they choose this word for this particular verse? And I'm just a word nerd. So I love like being able to look up like those origins because it gives me such a greater picture of historically where, what was the setting and the time like when these things were written. But probably my other favorite thing is the access to see the various translations and how, whether it's an NLT or an ESV, you know, how was this same verse translated across 
different Bible translations. And I think that that's helpful too, because there are some, uh, and I know that there's some of this mentioned as well, as far as, you know, the different types of translations to help you figure out like where you have the greatest comfort or where this translation came from, you know, what the tradition is behind those things, but that overall there may be some nuance that one translation misses because it's a more literal translation, whereas another translation picks up on because it's more looking for the overall meaning. As far as choosing a translation, do you have any guidance there? So yeah. my first piece of guidance is please do not be overwhelmed with this whole entire conversation. You can do all yeah. these word studies and get in the concordance. And yes, that's fun. Um, but you do not have to do that every day. I do no, and I didn't start day. there. I think that's the thing is like, we didn't start here. <laughs> yes, no. So if you were somebody yeah. who's like, what? Like, okay, that's cool. Like, just take a step back. You do not have to do any of these things. Um, these no. are resources that are available to you if they are helpful to you. But if you just want to start easy and read in the Bible, like we all start somewhere and that's beautiful. And then we have all of these resources available, like when we are ready to dive in deeper or if we have a specific question. I do not use all of these resources every day. Um, mm-hmm. my, my usual thing these days, I've been listening to the audio Bible a lot because mm-hmm. I've been busy. So I've been listening to it in the car, but usually I literally just sit and just read my Bible because I'm comfortable. And I, that's just what I like to do. But these things are available to you. If you have a question or you want to learn more, you have a little bit of extra time. You're like, hmm, this is interesting. Let's dive in. So I just don't want people to feel overwhelmed, but in terms of choosing a Bible translation, there is, there are lots of options. There are so many options. And again, no need to feel overwhelmed, but Basically, there's this whole balance that all of the translations try to strike between some are written to be as literal as possible. So if the original text, which just is not in the Bible, but if the original text said it is raining cats and dogs, it would translate it is raining cats and dogs. Now that would not make sense in a different language, but they're saying, okay, these are the exact words and we want to put it in the exact same words. So there are places, if you were reading in a literal translation Bible, where you're like, I do not know what they're talking about goats or whatever, because it was an idiom in the original language that doesn't really translate translate. well Mm -hmm. word for word. Mm -hmm. So there's some that kind of go that way. And then there are others that say, okay, we know what the Bible says word for word, but we really want it to be readable for people. So we're going to focus more on what the Bible means rather than translating every single word exactly as written. So it was raining cats and dogs. We're going to translate it as it was raining really hard. Now it's not the exact same, but it's going to convey the idea better. So all of the Bible translations are on this range of if they are a literal translation or more of a like meaning-based translation. And we can get things all over this all over the spectrum. So there's not one perfect Bible for every every person. There are hundreds of ways to say the same thing in all different languages and things um, are never going to be 100% perfect when you translate because you have to remember the Bible was not written in English. It was mm-hmm. written in Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek. And when you translate things, there may not be an exact word that means what they were trying to say, or right. there may be 50 words that they could choose. Probably. And we have one. <laughs> There's lots of ways to say the same yeah. thing yeah. that they said, or they had eight words and we only have one word. So mm-hmm. it's not going to be exact. So that's why, like how you said, comparing the different versions. I love doing that too. Yeah. yeah. But for just functional, like to answer people's real question is which 
translation should I use? So Mm. what I personally grew up with and feel most comfortable with is the NIV because I feel like it's a very middle of the road translation. It is super common. Um, NIV stands for new international version, by the way, but it's a very common middle of the road. I feel like it's still very readable, but it's not like a super loose paraphrase. So Mm -hmm. that's what I grew up with. And I feel like very comfortable with it. Yeah. Somebody who says, okay, I need something a little easier. The NLT is a really good Mm -hmm. translation. If you want something that's just like, I need to be able to read this thing. NLT is a really good, that's the new living translation. That's a little extra readable. Um, If you go super far into the readability, there's the message, which it is not even trying to say like, this is exact scripture. It's a total Mm -hmm. paraphrase of the Bible, but Mm -hmm. it's very readable. And I actually love, since I read the Bible in NIV, for so many years, I have a message translation that I read through and it just brings the Bible to life in a different way yeah. because like, I'm so familiar with the NIV now that when I read things, I kind of like gloss over like, yes, I know this. Yes. I know this verse. I know what this means. And then when I was reading the message, wait, I don't remember it being in that Bible. And I kept like going back and be like, wait, what did the, what did the NIV yeah. say? And like, oh, I guess you could say it that way. So it just really makes things pop in a way that if you're really used to reading one translation that you might gloss over. Um, So it just puts it in a new light. So that's really fun too, to read um, that way. ESV is a good one. NASB is a good one. I know this is a lot of letters, Um, but a lot of the (laughs) most common ones you can, if you go to a Christian bookstore, you can see like which ones there are. I think it's important really just knowing that there are sort of these two, I won't say two classes, but like the spectrum, you know, where there's basically word for word on one end, meaning on the other. And then they're all kind of on this continuum, like from, you know, one side to the other. Because when I first started, similarly, I started with an NIV, which is kind of like that nice middle of the road. And so now I do read more of an ESV, but there are plenty of times that I'm reading the ESV and I'm like, what? Like, Paul, what did you just say? And so I bust out my NLT, which gives a lot more of that readability and the understanding of like, this is the gist of the message. And so I can go, oh, okay. So I can combine the word for word with some of that underlying meaning, just as you described with the message. And it just makes everything come so much more alive and gives just a lot more of that depth of understanding. You also talk about in your book about kind of creating the spiritual growth plan. And I love this because I think we do a lot of things like New Year's resolutions, for example, where it's like, okay, I'm going to eat well. And I, you know, I have a fitness plan. Basically I'm going to eat well, I'm going to work out, I'm going to do this. I'm doing all the things, you know, but spiritually we might not do that. And we also might not know what we should do. You know, it's like, well, I know I'm supposed to go to church and I know I'm supposed to read the Bible, but like, what, what, what is my goal? What am I working towards? And I think you give some practical, again, very practical tips on this is what you're working towards, but here's some fun exercises to get you there. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So I am 100% a New Year's resolution person, but I feel like it's so easy to do those in terms of how you set our dieting and our exercise. It makes sense to us of, oh, I'm going to go on a diet. That makes sense. I know what that means. But in terms of, okay, I want to grow my faith. How do I do that? Like, what does that look like? There's not, mm-hmm. I mean, you can step on a scale and you can see your measurable progress. Right. You, can, you know, at the gym, can I run five minutes now? I can run six minutes. But with your faith, you're not like, okay, today I'm 86% good Christian. And tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try to be 87% good Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like it's a little bit more difficult, but it's still so important. We want to have this strong faith. So how can we have a better relationship with God and be 
closer to that amazing Christian woman that God wants us and created us to be. So I do talk about, okay, what does this growth plan look like? How do you do this? So in the book, I say, first of all, we talk about the Bible is life-changing, but how do you want your life to be changed? Like, what do you want to improve? Um, We kind of got to start there. If you want to improve something, what do you want to improve? So that's the first thing I would start with is how do you want your life to be different? What is it that you want to change or that you want to be easier or you want to do more consistently? Like, what is it? that you want to fix. Um, And there's a lot of ways to come up with an answer for this. There may be things right off the top of your head where you're like, I yell at my kids too much. Yup. I know what that is. Um, Mm -hmm. Or you just may say, you know, I don't really know what it is that I need to work on. So I give some very practical examples in the book of, Hey, here is how we can kind of figure out what do you need to work on? Not what I need to work on or what your sister needs to work on, but like, what do you need to work on? So um, some examples are, first of all, looking at what the Bible says. Are there things as you are reading in the Bible, the great reason to be in the Bible every day, because you're getting that daily reminder of this is the life God calls us to. Are there things as you're reading your Bible that you say, okay, God tells me that I need to be this way and I'm not being this way. So once you have decided what transformation that you need, what you're going for, then it's time to make your plan. So The best way to do that is to first start by gathering as much resources and information as you can. This is how I always start. But say you want to yell at your kids less. We'll use that as an example because it's so common. Mm -hmm. If you want to yell at your kids less, okay, how do I do that? Well, did somebody ever write a book about this? I can promise you multiple books have been written about this. We had an episode about um, book triggers. Yeah, (laughs) so helpful, but yes, yeah. Yes, so somebody wrote a book on it, and then came on this very podcast, scroll back and you can find it. Um, so there are books on it. There are podcasts on it. There are probably conferences on it. There are YouTube videos on it. There, You may have a friend who is really good at this thing. So maybe you are like, I'm always a frazzled mom, but this mom, like she is killing it. Okay. Yeah. So let's go to those people or resources and start learning from them. I think this is so powerful too, because as single moms, we've had a disruption in our life. And so we had hopes and dreams and they got squashed. And so it sort of feels like, well, why have hopes and dreams because they didn't work out. And so having the ability to step into this space, especially with God, to step into the space of having dreams again, we know they might not come exactly the way that we think that they will but that if we have at least a vision for where we we feel life should go that we feel God is calling us into then we can start to change little steps today to start making our life look a lot more like what we want it to look like and it just means that because of this disruption it doesn't look like the way you thought it was going to look but it doesn't mean that you can't dream again about a new way and i actually have an e-course where we teach an exercise just about this very thing where it's like imagine yourself 5 10 years from now And it's so freeing to have the permission to dream again after a time where the dreams have been crushed. And I feel like God's word is so instrumental in that because there is a grieving process where you're not going to be able to dream again. You are going to have to grieve the dreams that died. But God's word also lets us know that there's hope, that there is this suddenly that in your grief, that suddenly you'll experience joy. And from that joy, you can start to be excited about what God is doing in your future again. And to think about it. So I just, I loved so much that I always am big about permission. Like I love the permission, you know, to step back into that space again, where we maybe once felt disappointed, but realize that God is doing something new 
And I love that in the Bible, there's so many stories of people who Mm. thought their life was going to look one way and it totally different. And God still came through and had a plan. There's the Bible is full of all of these stories. God knows what he's doing. Even if you're in the midst of it, you're not going to see all of it, but you can go back in the Bible and you can see like God had a plan that he revealed over time. Even if it doesn't look like what you originally thought it was going to look like, he's still working on it. It's not the end of the story yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, oh, that's so good. Like I need to hear that over and over and over, (laughs) you know, and it's those things that as you get comfortable with God's word, you see that that's his character. That's him consistently. Wow. I'm just, you've given us so many really good things to consider resources to look at. And as we're wrapping up this conversation, I ask every guest at the very end, what is one thing that they think that a single mom should know? Uh, There are so many answers to this question, but what I would love to share with your single mom listeners is that while it may feel like you are alone, you're not alone because God is still right there. And the same God who did miracles, who made promises and kept his promises for the Israelites still cares about you today. You are not going through this alone. God is right there. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to spend time with you. He desperately wants to. He sent, literally sent his son to die for you. And I mean, I'm a mom as well. If somebody asked me to sacrifice and kill my oldest son, that's not going to happen. Like, that's my baby. But that's what God did for us. If he loves you enough, he would sacrifice his son for you just as to have a chance to have a relationship with you. Knowing you could say no, just to have a chance to be with you. You're not alone and he's still there and he still cares. And he has a plan even if we don't see it yet. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. I'm getting teary with you. <laughs> such a so, No, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, but it's beautiful. And, you know, and, and I think sometimes we hear that reality, but it becomes so commonplace to hear it over and over and over, yeah. you know, and we really have to spend the moments to absorb what that really means. And I appreciate that you did that for us. As far as just listeners getting to know more about you and the things that you're doing, staying in touch with your resources, can you tell us how we can connect with you? Absolutely. So if you are a Christian woman who is, you are a Christian, but you know that you are not making your faith the priority that you want to, my website, Equipping Godly Women, is all about helping Christian women to be all in in faith and family, whatever that looks like for you, whatever God is calling you to be. I am there to be your big sister and your cheerleader in the faith to help challenge you and encourage you and push you towards God has this thing for you. And it's amazing. And let me show you how to take the next step. And if you want more information about my book specifically, the best place to find more information on that and all of the free resources that we mentioned today is to go to fallinlovewithgodsword.com. You can read the first chapter for free. We have the genres and printable or the genres and lenses printable cheat sheet you can print off and put in your Bible. There's so many things there. If you are someone who's like, okay, I need to read this more consistently. I don't know where to start. It's going to help you do that. And all of the resources that you mentioned throughout the episode, I will have a link in the show notes so that listeners can just access them really quickly and easily. But I want to thank you again so much for joining me today. This was just so incredible. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. I know this episode was just full of different resources and ideas, but I want to encourage you to just take one thing that you grabbed from this episode today and start there. 
implementing a new routine does not mean overhauling everything at once, but just taking one incremental step at a time towards getting closer to God. As we wrap up today's episode, I do want to point out a couple of resources available in the show notes. The first is our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Going through the issues and things that we're dealing with as single moms in community is so valuable. And so if you'd like to join the Facebook group, all you have to do is search for Agape Moms on Facebook at Agape Moms, and then click on the groups tab there and submit a request to join the group. Likewise, if you would like to follow along with Agape Moms on Instagram, you can search for us at Agape Moms. Additionally, I now have a weekly video guided scripture meditation available for every episode of the podcast. And if you subscribe to the Agape Moms YouTube channel, you will receive notifications when those videos become available. And it's just a great way to start off your day with some encouragement from God's word and apply some of the things that we're learning here on the podcast. I also want to thank you for your subscriptions, your rankings, your reviews. It's so encouraging to me to see what God is doing in your life and to see Him on the move, but it also helps other women to be drawn in to just what God has for them here as well. And as you move through the rest of your day or your evening, I just pray that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved. 